Men out there, young men are dying for it. Greetings fellow wanderers in the fourth dimension, this is the Grey Show in the Galaxy, and we bring our quest for the key to time to a close with the Armageddon Factor. Oh, thank God, this has been going on entirely too bloody long, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, but um, it, it, it really it sort of speaks to the quality of this show that uh, the the young men are dying for it is just the... Just the tip of the iceberg in this one. <laughs> a, a, a line which never stopped, never um, fails to provoke giggles in all the sundry who watch it. <laughs> yeah. See, the thing of it is, though, I think the Armageddon Factor could have been so much better if they just tightened it up. Oh, it is. It it's might be. I, 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 I don't know. I feel like I say this quite a lot, but sometimes it just ha it just fits too well. This might be the archetypal too many too many episodes and not enough story show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's some definite padding going on here, um, and I think this is actually the last um, six part story the production crew ever made for Doctor Who. That's not entirely the worst idea ever. Also, <laughs> um, um, so why don't you give us a, a little summary of the plot on from the back of the disc? Okay, so. The key to time is almost complete, with only one piece still to find the Doctor, Romana and K-9 arrive on Atrios, a planet in the middle of a terrible war with its twin world, Zeos. To restore the balance of the universe before the White Guardian, the Doctor must find the sixth segment before the planets destroy each other. But Zeos is deserted, so who is behind the wall? Mm. Mm. So wouldn't you know, it's, <coughs> spoiler alert, it's a Star Trek plot where it's a computer in charge of the, the planet. <laughs> So where do you want to start with this one? Um, um, I think we sort of had to go through it in order because it sort of yeah, it sort of like jumps quite a bit. Like it's sort of like three sort of two part acts. Well, There's... I mean, I think it's it's three stories competing for space in a six parter. Mm. Yeah, um, unfortunately, but yeah, you could definitely break it down in that way that you have kind of two episode chunk and a two episode chunk and a two episode chunk mm -hmm. so shall we start with um in the war room <laughs> um with the marshal who you know bless his heart i can't hear over his shoulder pads no <laughs> no i mean um john woodfine does have an amazing voice though i will say he that does, yes he does have a he does have a, a wonderful kind of gravitas which i i one of the missed opportunities of this is they can't decide whether we're taking the marshal seriously or not. Mm. Because, I mean, you have, you know, like you say, you have our little propaganda film about young men are dying for it, and we sort of drag away into this kind of terrible, shitty bomb shelter of, you know, dust falling out of the ceiling, and they have sort of these desperate kind of... almost It's like sort of a submarine atmosphere of kind of this commander looking at blips on a, on a radar and mm -hmm. trying to desperately fight back against this horde, you know, in this terrible nuclear conflict. Yeah. Um, and sometimes when we see the marshal and he's making sort of a big speech, mm -hmm. they kind of play this <coughs> sort of almost mocking triumphant music underneath him. <laughs> and I, I think like John Woodvine is trying to do a bit of a Churchill. Yeah. 
I mean, um, but the thing of it is, that's not really how the Marshal's supposed to be. No. Because, I mean, I feel like if, if, they, if they'd done that and they'd said, right, okay, so we're going to be... We're really taking the piss out of the marshal at the moment. That's what we're we're doing. So do this sort of triumphant speech. And I was going, uh, uh, yeah, whatever. And you know, it's plainly mental because he's going into like a suicide mission or something like this. Staring and, at a um, mirror. Staring at a mirror. You know, it's like that bit at the end of Boogie Nights when he's saying, you know, I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> but um, yeah, it's. I'd like to say I can't. I can't work out if the if the episode is sort of saying, no, we're, we're just playing this straight. This is the marshal. He's genuinely giving a rousing speech, and he's off to go and you know head into the, you know, in this f- final insane hurrah. But I feel like I wish the episode had, had undercut him a little bit, mm. and kind of pointed out that what he's doing is just pure folly. Yeah. And um, I say, I mean, because they like, I say, they sort of put this triumphant music on, this sort of triumphant notes under him. Yeah. And I always, I sort of feel like. Because obviously we met, the doctors met the marshal mm-hmm. and kind of talked circles around him as the doctor wants to do, mm-hmm. and but the story still asking to take him seriously, and I don't really want to. No, and and, and you can't because you know his speeches are like really jingoistic. I mean, as you would expect from you know such a calamitous war that's happening, he's trying to sort of like keep the morale up at all means, um, but. It's just sort of. I mean, the, one of the things that always stuck out to me. I mean, it's it kind of becomes unintentional comedy. Is they have like the the sort of propaganda uh, soap opera at the beginning, mm. and then obviously it cuts back and you see like this desolated, completely wrecked up like medical ward, mm. and then part of the roof collapses in, and Mary um, rushes. Is, is everybody all right except this one poor blog who's just gone absolutely creamed underneath the. <laughs> It's polystyrene, polystyrene yeah. Uh, beam, yeah, yeah. I mean, and as well, I, I think the other thing they do as well is quite again, which is sort of, you know, is is right for satire in that Lala Ward, who's making her first appearance here in the guise of Princess Astra, mm-hmm. is kind of in. If we're talking about this as a World War Two context, if he if he's sort of like this kind of wannabe Churchill, mm-hmm. Princess Astra is this kind of wannabe Queen Mother. Yeah. Who's sort of you know being used as this propaganda and you know morale tool, kind of being shipped around to orphanages and hospitals as mm. this kind of, and you know, but uh, in this sort of futile effort to um, kind of keep the people's spirits up. But again, because they don't you choose to use this as a satirical um, kind of moment mm-hmm. or play into that aspect, when because you're just saying okay, well that's that's just to be read on the surface. It's nothing more than exactly what you see. Yeah. It, it really kind of loses some impact for me. I, I, I don't know. It's uh, it's nothing to do with how the actors are playing. They're doing what they're t- they've been asked to do. Mm-hmm. And they're playing it fine. But I just, like I say, I wish that the story had been satirical in, uh, towards them too. You see, with this kind of relationship they have and towards the marshal. Mm-hmm. And as well, I mean, because my one of my favourite characters in this uh, might be David Harris's Stapp. because <laughs> every sentence is just, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just it's verbal eye rolling. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, the the the, the, the a great comparison that Chuck made actually while we were watching this was um, he's a bit like uh, John Lemessurier's character in Dad's Army. Hmm. 
in that he's just standing around going, oh, he should be the one, you know, he's the one you feel like should be in charge. <laughs> and you've got kind of this kind of Captain Manning esque kind of dum dum kind of running mm. this terrible war. And he just making unhinged kind of <laughs> proclamations and changing his mind every five seconds. And he just goes, yes, sir. And kind of has to go schlep off and do this sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would have, actually, Dad's Army probably would have been made around the same time, wasn't it? Mm, yeah, yeah, pretty much. So it's entirely, uh, <laughs> it's entirely that that they're uh, playing off. But, um, yeah, no, I do like him. The... Uh, I do like Shap. He's probably one of the best characters on the Atria side of things. Yeah. Um, just because, like we say, it's just a, entirely just sort of like... If you want to take a more sort of like American... Slide, I suppose you could say he's kind of like the Kith. He is, uh, to, yeah. To, um, yeah, the Marshals. <laughs> Brannigan, except... Brannigan, yeah, burn. that's actually a very good comparison there. Because... Um, yeah, I mean, well, you know, if he had a very sort of short shorts on, I mean, you wouldn't be far away from what Zach Brannigan wears, really. <laughs> and what like is the only one dressed like that? Yeah. He's basically running a military junta in South America. Everyone else is just, uh, you know, just wearing any old thing they've got left over. So. Mm. Um, but again, I feel like if we're going to talk about, I feel like when we talk about this story as a whole, it's kind of things in the story which were kind of missed opportunities because they had an objective to get to mm-hmm. and they had ever such a lot of episodes to fill. Um, <clears throat> it's, I say, the, the, the ability of the Doctor to just come in and undercut all of this and, you know, everyone except the Marshal is kind of, is kind of saying we need to sue for peace mm-hmm. and, you know, there's this, you know, kind of coming in and saying to, when the Doctor arrives, does the typical antagonist antagonist towards the doctor thing of immediately accusing them of being spies yeah and immediately threatening to execute them for no good reason apart from they just arrived yeah um and then the second that it worked out that the doctor can do something for him he immediately requests the most insane thing he can think of yeah and everyone else is standing there going what <laughs> yeah i mean like when the marshal suddenly goes i mean obviously what we don't we suspect or but we don't actually know is that he's being like used mm. um but you know even when it's like he's one moment he's threatening to have the doctor romana and um what's his face executed for treason but then he sort of goes and stares at his mirror for a bit and then he sort of comes out hey doctor you're all right mate listen this you're the guy we've been waiting for you're going to help us out here and, and nobody sort of like goes, eh, what? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, there's something I wish I knew about their backstory. I wonder if it's like, um, uh, like a, um, what do you call it, Battlestar Galactica thing where mm. there was an attack and everyone who was sensible got wiped out and it was just the marshal was the only, the highest ranking person left. Yeah, this is all just like the, the junior sort of temp workers. Yes. Yeah, this is the, you know, the agriculture secretary who's been, uh, you know shoved into this role and it's kind of gone to his head um but again it's one of those things of um when you sort of sit and think about how we got to this point it's how did the shadow and the marshal pass intersect at any point to get that black thing on his neck i we don't know 
Yeah, he must have just been made at some point. Yeah, he must. Yeah, someone just turned up with you know on this transmat <laughs> that they don't seem to know about, which is re- literally down two corridors away from them. <laughs> but there is like one thing during the whole sort of part on Atreus where I think it really could have been cut out. Like like I say, this this is it's six parts and it gets really padded out. And but the whole sort of canine being mm-hmm. sent to the the recycling unit sort of bit. It's like yes. that really didn't I mean it's it's just clearly padding. It really didn't sort of add anything. No, it it really was just kind of artificial jeopardy mm-hmm. in the episode which otherwise would just be them in the control room getting shouted at by the marshal. Yeah. Um so yeah, um that's basically our first two episodes. Yeah, pretty much. Then <laughs> We move on to our middle two episodes. Hmm. And um, I have to say, I quite like the idea of K-9 acting as a sort of secretary to this battle computer. Yeah. <laughs> so just, just, no, no, hang on. I'm going to go talk to him. You wait outside, right? <laughs> yeah, it was say, like, it's nice to have a proper conversation with somebody and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but what stands out to me about, like you say, that sort of, although it's a padded out sequence, is that we're really meant to care about K9 now. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is Kitty's favourite K9 yeah. now, isn't it? Because we're going to have a whole thing of him being in jeopardy mm-hmm. and we've got this whole thing about him being the intermediate between, like, say, the sort of the Star Trek battle computer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of gone from being just a, a thing they want to leave in the TARDIS at all costs <laughs> to being really sort of an integral part of this episode. Yeah, well, I do. One thing I do like about these sort of two parts is it sort of implies that Atros technically won the war. Like the Zeons yeah. are nowhere to be seen. It's literally this computer that's running the show and actually kicking the stuffing out of Atreus. Mm. But I mean, um, but obviously, as we'll find out in sort of the last two parts, that even that is sort of a, just a, a pawn on the chessboard of the Shadow and the Black Guardian. Of the unnecessarily complicated plan between the yeah. Shadow and the Black Guardian. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it, it's just kind of... Well, as well, I mean, because it, it's a thing that... Because we've got these middle two episodes, and then because the story is finished in the middle two episodes, essentially, mm-hmm. we have to introduce a new character in the final two episodes to increase the running time. Mm. And I think this is the other sort of padding bit. Yes. Because I'm not keen on Drax at all. No. I mean, <clears throat> see, it's 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 always it's always interesting to find out a little bit more about the Doctor's past. Mm-hmm. But who gives a shit about his classmates? Well, I do feel like as well they were really thought we're going to go right. We're going to be um, we're going to finally lock down what this Doctor's name is, and his name is Theta Sigma. Woo! What? Well, <laughs> well, underwhelming. Do you really? I mean, do you, this is a. It's the thing. Do you feel like they, that Bob Baker and Dave Martin really thought they were saying right? That's his name. No. Debate over. No. Or they were just you know it's just a nickname or something. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm just trying to think. Was it? Oh no, it was was Robert Holmes, wasn't it? Who did um, Brain and Morbius? Mm. Yeah. Because uh, so, I was just thinking, if it was Bob Baker and Baker and Martin, I mean, I kind of like wonder if they sort of put out under this sort of 
not quite canon, but maybe sort of thing with the whole um, sort of battle of wills between Morbius and the Doctor and the whole pre how many lives have you lived? Yes, yeah, back back through your past. Yeah. Um, mm. But I mean, I think like that. We've said it before, like in the continuity show. I don't think they really sort of like thought about it that much or really cared. No. So, I mean, it's only until like the eighties, the sort of the continuity heavy eighties, where mm. I think it was time in the Rani. Um, the doctor just said, "Oh, that was just my school nickname." Yeah, like they felt the need to have to address that. Yeah. Um, again, it's with this with this story. Um, you feel like if we just kind of concentrated on one of these aspects mm-hmm. for the whole four episodes, this would be a much stronger feeling um, show altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say as well in this that. Um, you know, watching all these kind of back-to-back-to-back-to-back, to back to back to back, uh, Mary Tam's Romana has to be a lot more dense than I remembered. Like, the story forces her to be a lot more dense. Yeah. Like, this whole thing about, you know, the six of the six of the six for the for Astra, and everyone, she's sort of saying, they're like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, and, mm. you know, and then it's not till the next, <clears throat> the next scene we see them in, and she says it to herself again, and she got, and she's like, oh, wait a second. Um, yeah. <laughs> ding dong. <laughs> yes, I mean, I, I, I understand that we need to have someone to <clears throat> to say these lines and get us from A to B, but I wish it wasn't Mary Tan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just the whole sixth uh, child of the sixth house of the sixth dynasty or whatever the hell Astro was saying, like, you know, your viewers aren't that stupid. You know, no, we got there. It's okay. Yeah, um, it's just it's it's unfortunate that um, it was Mary Tam who had to deliver that, and I think it was I don't know whether it's because of the Armageddon factor or it was just during the production that she went, okay, I'm I'm kind of done. Yeah, well, because she's she is a time lord on par with the Doctor, and she's not treated that way at all. No, I mean I can understand the the whole. Like, she's an academic, but she mm. hasn't got any sort of street smarts, if, if you will, that the Doctor has. I, well, it, I get that, it, but the, that's, even that's never really sort of... Explored. Yeah. You, you know, at the beginning of this of this whole serial, you have this thing of, the Doctor has to explain to her again that we're not here on behalf of the Time Lord President. Yeah. This is by the White Garden. It's like, well, we've already talked about this in Stones of Blood. Mm-hmm. Why are you amazed again? <laughs> Oh, dear. it's a sh- it's a shame, really. It's a shame, and but I will say one thing: I absolutely love, love, loved in this with Mary Tams uh, Ramana mm-hmm. when she calls the Doctor out on Astra's fate. Yeah, and it was like, yes, finally. Yeah, somebody gets it. Somebody gets it, and you know that she doesn't just accept him, kind of brushing it off and saying, "No, we had to do it." Blah blah blah. She's cross, and rightly so. Mm-hmm. And. It's great, and I was just like, yes, 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 more of this, excellent, excellent. But it, it's sort of, it's almost a little bit too little, too late. It kind of is, you know. The whole, you know, say the the discussion is over in two minutes. They've got other things to worry about with the time loop, and it's it's kind of like I say, so I had hand waved away by the end, which is mm. unfortunate. Um, and also, when we go into Destiny of the Daleks, the episode after this, mm-hmm. um, Mary Tan be gone. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a shame, 
that she never got invited back to do a regeneration sequence. Mm. But then again, the whole Destiny of the Daleks regeneration sequence is a bit sort of weird anyway, so... Yeah, it is strange. Um, well, I mean, we'll, we'll probably talk about that at some point, some other show coming yeah. up. Um, but I would say, for obviously us kind of complaining about how the stories and all the threads in this don't quite mesh together very well. Mm-hmm. There are some really enjoyable aspects to this. I mean, just the aforementioned Mary Tan bit. I really like the bit where they drew together the, the last bit of the key to time. Yeah. I that was interesting, that. yeah. Yeah. Because it makes sense because, you know, it's like it's the last piece that they can easily sort of like, because, because it's such a, a perfect shape when it's completed, it's easy for them to just like knock something up. I mean, it doesn't work all that well, but it works well enough. And that's such, that's so Doctor Who. Yeah, it is Doctor Who, just kind of, you know, lash-ups that just about work long enough to for us to... And as well, they could kind of stop the Marshall in quite a benign way as well. We're putting them in this time loop. So they've got time to do something about this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a clever idea. And yes, I was going to say, it's it's pure Doctor Who-ness. Yeah. And it's very enjoyable. And yeah, it's great. I, again, you sort of hope, wish for more of this mm-hmm. sort of thing. I really like... And the... the Set design as well, I think, is quite interesting. Yeah. Yes, they are. For most of the time, yes, they are just walking around the same corridor. Mm-hmm. But they go to the 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 um the the kind of the the effort to make all the places look different. Yeah, it's not just the same lino corridor. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and they do make it like properly sort of messed up and dirty. I mean, mm. obviously, Atros is completely wrecked, but Zeos is deserted, so it's obviously just like very dusty and just sort of like a bit run down. And then you've got, like, the Shadow's own little planet, which it's not really a planet. Is it a planet? It doesn't look no, like a planet, but it's got sort of a rock interior. I don't know. Perhaps he just I, likes it. It's like, I'm the Shadow making more sinister. <laughs> black. Everything has to be black. <laughs> and the interior designer Binky was like, are you sure, sir? It's going to be very... No, black. More black. <laughs> <laughs> it's like some sort of emaciated teenager. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. When I was 14. Um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, I quite like the fact that they, they kind of went to the effort of making that a lot more, you know, make them all look different mm-hmm. and genuinely sort of kind of, I mean, because Chuck was saying while we were watching this again that he found the shadow quite frightening as a child mm. when he watched this. And I can see that, you know, although in the close up you can see that his cowl is a lovely knitted cowl yeah. that someone's made for him. And, no. um, <laughs> You know, the fact he looks like he's got just a pair of sort of, you know, sheer tights on his head. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I can, you know, I can see that being quite scary mm-hmm. and intimidating. You know, it's just a shame that his ideas don't make any sense. Yeah. And it's kind of a shame. Well, I mean, my, the... favorite, my favorite thing in this is when the doctor just brushes the black thing off his neck and the shadow's response is just like, ah! <laughs> yeah. That's just great. <laughs> <laughs> Which just made me laugh. Yeah. That bloody um, skeleton. <laughs> okay. Um, but I mean, the one problem I have with the shadow. I mean, it's kind of difficult because. Well, it's kind of difficult because I kind of like the way he goes about setting his trap. He sort of like basically just uses the Doctor and Romana as sort of like the, you know, the the fetch monkeys. They yes. go get the first five segments while he uh, takes care of collecting the sixth. Because then obviously they have to bring the other five segments to him. Yeah. But 
if you're going to have this sort of arch villain or rival for the key to time, why wasn't he more involved in the other five stories? Oh yeah, I mean that is the most one of the most irritating aspects to me mm. is that this whole thing is is only is not in this whole sequel this whole kind of overarching plot for ninety eight percent of it. Mm. It's it, I mean when we've talked about the new series, um, one thing that people get annoyed with is that Moffat especially is, is kind of this whole thing of, you know, oh, well, they're shoving the plot down our throat, they keep recapping it, they keep doing this and that. This is why they do this, because mm-hmm. of things like this. Yeah. That you have this huge overarching plot, and they forget about it for 98% of the bloody thing until we get to this this episode, like, literally like the last two episodes mm-hmm. of the last serial oh. in the whole season. Do you know what? Can I just, sorry, interrupt you there. Um, speaking of reminding people of the plot, how the hell does Shap and Merak know what's going on in part six? I've no idea. I, I literally, nobody has told them what is going on. Anything. The last time we saw them, one of them was getting basically thrown down like a drain pipe. And, so, and Shap sort of like fell oddly backwards into the transmat. Yes, yeah, so in sort of a weird kind of comedy thing with his gun stuck upright. <laughs> and the next time they've seen, they've got two bandages on, which maybe they did themselves. Yeah. And they're watching what's going on in the war room. Uh-huh. But no one told them anything. Yeah. What? How do they know this shit? <laughs> Literally, so weird. It, it's, like, it's like they sort of remember, oh shit, they're in this story as well, aren't they? Yeah. Well, I mean, they even even sort of like by the conclusion of the story, sort of, we only sort of like get told what might happen with the marshal. But you know, you never we never see him anymore no. after that, and we never see. I mean, we we, we sort of it's the age old sort of tra- Doctor Who tradition of the Doctor sorts everything out and buggers off without. Like really sort of like sticking around or saying goodbye but it's even more egregious than this yeah I mean it really is especially when obviously we disperse the pieces of the key to time yeah I mean and everyone just goes okay yeah I mean okay so presuming that the the person that the Doctor and Ramon have been dealing with on the scanner is purely the Black Guardian and he wasn't involved in the reboss operation Surely even the white guardian might be a bit annoyed that the doctors have gone and done that. Yeah, I mean, he would just kind of appear in the toilet and say, oh, hello, I see you assembled all the pieces of the key to time here. Um, do you mind explaining why? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the doctor says, well, you know, the guard, the white guardian would just sort everything out. Which, yeah. fair enough, he probably would. But, I mean, I mean see... Well, um, unfortunately, I think, like you say, because of the thing of explaining the plot and they haven't bothered to put any of these bits in, there's no logical leap as to why the Doctor would just say, oh, it's been the Black Guardian from minute one. Mm. Because we haven't even really had the concept of the Black Guardian. Yeah. It's only, just... he's, he's only been, like, name drops in the Reboss operation and I think, what, maybe Stones of Blood. But that's it. There's, there's been, it's been very hands-off. And it really has. And that's the problem I have with the Shadow is the the key to time could have been a l- so much more interesting if yeah. and on top of having to get the segments through all the shenanigans and going ons of the actual places that they're visiting, you've then got the shadow on top of that, either manipulating things or just genuinely digging around interfering with the stuff and making things a lot more difficult. 
I mean, I'm, yeah, exactly. I mean, I know that for things where we have things like that. So, say like the Five Doctors, mm-hmm. where you have all the you know someone messing the chess pieces around and slamming their fist into the table and it's not going right. At least then you get this impression of there's something happening outside of the plot, and we as viewers know that now there's something extra we have to be aware of mm-hmm. because they didn't do that in this whole series. When we just suddenly go, oh, the Black Guardian, oh, this, oh, that. Mm-hmm. and follow the plot and get rid of all the bits of key to time mm-hmm. because there hasn't been a progression up to that it doesn't really pay off yeah all, all like i think it was the av club who said about this um the power of crawl like even if the the key to time segments themselves had more of a bearing on the plot like like it does with crawl it mm. crawl swallows it and becomes this giant monster if like say it had been established that the key to time if separated, could mess things up really badly. And maybe it's even, even like, maybe it's like the Black Guardian in the Shadow wants to keep the key to time segment separate mm. because it causes so much chaos through, throughout time and space. And it's up to the Doctor and Romana to collect the segments and put it together so balance is restored. Mm. Yeah. But you know, it, it, it's kind of, it, it's irritating in its lack of payoff or mm-hmm. it's, or, well, it's more irritating. They just sort of seem to go, oh, shit, yeah, we've got to deal with that. Yeah. And then just go, oh, hand wave, it's done. Yeah. Um, but well, what, something that struck me about this is I think that, actually, if it, if this serial didn't have the baggage of the key to time, mm-hmm. there's some good stuff in this. Yeah. It, it's kind of unfortunate they have to, to do all the key to time stuff, almost. Mm. I mean, this could have been a perfectly good... Four-part story about two sides being played by a third party. Yeah. You didn't didn't really need a key to time. You you don't really need Drax. He's he's really superfluous and he just sort of like... (laughs) The the thing of it is, he doesn't need to be a Time Lord. No, he doesn't. He doesn't really. He He, he could just be some rando. Yeah, I mean, this whole idea of a Time Lord would, you know, just be kind of a... A buy and sell kind of, you know, wheeler dealer, wheeler dealer bloke, sort of Del Boy in a. I mean, what he reminded me of is because he's wearing this kind of dumb padded, um, boil, future boiler suit. <laughs> it sort of made because he's like, you know, he got his Cockney accent and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It was kind of it massively preceded him. Do you remember that old, um, um sort of pre far show character, loads of money? Yeah. <laughs> he'd go on, you know, say loads of money, and he always have his shell suit on and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. He's kind of two steps away from that. Yeah. And, you know, and also, I mean, obviously being from London, I think I've met this bloke about a few times down the pub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but actually, one thing, I, one of the interesting thing I did find out is they actually did bring him back for Big Finish. They mm. did, yeah. Well, because uh, him, bloke... him and his 30, uh, 12 other incarnations. <laughs> Let no stone be unturned in the in the quest for something to write about for Big Finish. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'd take my hat off to those guys. It really, I mean, but um, if you're going to say so about this, in the, it leaves so many bloody loose ends that the <laughs> that the books and the and Big Finish and all those sort of things have had loads of stuff to feast on for this because it's just left so many. There's a whole other Key to Time series, I think Big Finish did. Yeah, there is. Key to Time 2. Mm-hmm. Key to Time. Uh, I see what they did there. Key to Time, branding. Oh. Ashton. R, 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 R. R, 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 R,
it's it, i mean if you look at the the page on wikipedia as i'm, I'm sure most people have mm-hmm. um yeah this is a huge huge list of stuff that has come out of this episode so you know silver linings and all that yeah so, I mean, is there anything else you want to discuss about the Armageddon Factor, or do you just want to move on to your, like, your final thoughts on Key to Time? Yeah, let's let's move on to our final thoughts, shall we? Okay, so... Yes, good idea. Yes, very good idea. Just n- not very well thought out. And kind of sort of half-assed. And at the end, you sort of, like, get the feeling the writers were just going... Pfft. Yeah, really. I mean, what the problem was is that... They had no, no one does stuff like this apart from soaps. This whole idea of, at this point in history, I mean, this whole idea of a continuous overarching plot which mm-hmm. starts at one end and pays off at the other end. Yeah. So, like, apart at this time in, in television writing, no one was doing this apart from soaps. Mm-hmm. So, they really have no idea how to do it, is the problem. Yeah. But at the same time, you've got to start to go, you know, fair play for them for trying it. Oh yeah, to, I mean, to, I mean, at this point, you know, we've got a a show that's been on the air continuously for fifteen years, mm-hmm. and to, to kind of have the bravery to say, yeah, we're gonna, we have enough faith that people watch this show enough mm-hmm. that they will stick with us from A to B. It's it's a big jump actually, and mm-hmm. I say quite, it's it's not something that was done at this time. I mean, it wasn't really until sort of the eighties, and in America, we had things like Hill Street Blues, which. Yeah had continuous storylines that basically um, relied on the audience being there every week. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're still 10 years away from that. Yeah. Most-ish. So, it's, you know, you can see it as, in- you can definitely see it as innovative. I just, I, I just, it's a shame for me it doesn't stick the landing at all in mm-hmm. terms of it being an overarching plot. Yeah. It doesn't stick the landing and it sort of, like, bails out of the triple half twist double somersault sort of like somewhere yeah. in the middle it really does um like, like when we were talking about crawl and other episodes like this and androids of tara you can just you can kind of tell that the writers who have been asked to write this just don't know how to deal with it and mm-hmm. some respond by just doing it you know getting rid of it in the first couple of minutes and some just ignore it all right to the end and you know, it's a shame, and some I think in the sort of the worst cases, you get stories that a bit actually a bit like this one. If they weren't key to time stories and mm-hmm. were just regular serials, would probably be much higher thought of. Mm. And then maybe they are, or you have episodes, that, you know, things like oh, I absolutely love Stones of Blood. Yeah, but you can you can watch it entirely independently of the key to time serial because it's hardly anything to do with the key to time. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, do you think? I mean, obviously, now we've got the series back, and it's a lot more sort of, I wouldn't say continuity heavy, but it's got leans a lot more on sort of the arc words and yeah. you know recurring characters. Do you think this is something they would be well thought of to try again? Like, say, like how how we had like series nine, which was mostly two parters. Yeah. Like do like two episodes, like looking for one segment, and three episode three and four are looking at that. Do you think they would? It's be worth them trying this again. Something slightly more sort of more focused, rather than well, just like have this like the the general sort of like oh you know Mister Saxon or oh um, you know 
like these little like words or phrases or things just like get like scattered about little bits to the series, but they're rather like them actually like concentrating on this is what we're doing this series. Yeah, I think the I really think that actually with the series as it is now and the way that no, I don't really like to say the word conditioned because it has quite negative connotations, but mm. the way that we're sort of as viewers conditioned to now respond to things and DVDs, the, the box set culture and things like that. The one thing they kind of haven't done yet in Doctor Who is the old idea of the season long quest. Hmm. It's kind of the one thing they haven't done yet. Yeah. And I think it could really actually work because as well, now that we've got this whole thing of the time Lords are back, we've been to Gallifrey and, but because things are different because they gave the doctor a new life cycle and we have lots of other little bits if you were actually going to do a black and white guardian key to time thing, mm-hmm. you could, the whole idea of greater, a sort of higher powers, if you like, than the time Lords mm-hmm. and bigger forces in the universe, you could make that work. Yeah. You could definitely say, well, you know, you could sort of frame it as, you know, the doctor's done this thing. And because of this thing and the way the universe is now out of order, we've got to do it. And, you know, in your past life, you did this, and they fucking went everywhere, and now you've got to go and fix it, sort it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's easy peasy, lemon squeezy, and I'm actually kind of when you talk about it, it kind of seems like the most obvious thing in the world to do. Yeah, but then I wonder whether there's sort of like, do they want to do that? Because then yeah. you're sort of like counting on your audience being there week after week. I well, mean, I think that, I mean, look at things like, I mean, obviously it's it's not the same, but. Look at things like Westworld and how incredibly successful mm. and Game of Thrones and things like that. Things that, you know, you have to be there every week and there will be things from a couple of series ago that will not pay off until a couple of series hence. Mm. I think that people are prepared to watch TV in that way now. Yeah. So I think it will work. Mm. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if we're talking about ratings and things like that, I really honestly think that week-to-week ratings just do not matter anymore no. because of people watching things in big chunks later on. Mm-hmm. That's certainly true. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think that the the atmosphere is definitely right to do something like this. Mm-hmm. It's just do that. It's not a kind of a do they want to, but it's it's kind of like, do you want to go ahead and make it a key to time serial mm-hmm. which also it might have limited appeal because it's not really it's only really the spots you know that key to time watching <laughs> this show um but yeah i i definitely think the season long quest idea mm-hmm. is definitely something they should try yeah and and they even then if work. yeah and if it doesn't work they can just go well we tried Absolutely. But, I mean, you get... Obviously, um, it wouldn't be like this in that you can kind of just have a couple of episodes you can take out and watch because the the overarching theme is so light, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, I think I'd have to avoid something like... I mean, th- where, where maybe still it got too egregious was, you know, we had the whole River Song saga. Yeah. You know, and then you had the whole thing with the rhyme at the end of the series and, you know, the, the only water in the forest is the river and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of got too claggy. Yeah. And I think that was kind of the the series that put a lot of people off, you know, people just sort of went, oh, it's too complicated. I have to get my kids to explain it to me, bloody, 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 blah. Um, 
that kind of that kind of attitude. It would it would have to be they would have to kind of strike a balance between those two things. But I really I actually really think they could make it work. Mm. Um, so any final thoughts on Mary Tam as the first incarnation Romana? You know what? Watching it all in a big chunk. Um, I, not that I can see why she left. That's really cruel. But yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I kind of can, and you don't it, blame it, her. You don't blame her one bit. And actually, watching it sort of in a very compressed way, her character's kind of disappointing to me. Not it's not mm. Mary Tam's fault. No, let me really like be be um, be clear about that. But what is irritating is that the way that her character is is kind of so diminished they just don't know what, I mean, again it's it's a case of the caroline johns again mm-hmm. they just don't know what to do with a character who it, we're meant to sort of regard as an equal to the doctor mm-hmm. and they just use her to you know kind of um deliver facts for the harder thinking at home yeah um, it, it's well, really irritating. I mean, because we're not like well, like we just pointed out in this episode that you know she has to be pretty willfully dumb mm-hmm. to to kind of get the point across. Well, I think the point across should be the point across to the to the um, to the audience. And yeah, it's kind. Of, it is a little bit disappointing watching it all in a big big chunk like this because she's quite hard done by mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, agreed. Um, so we have to talk about the main man himself. Yes, Mr. Tom. Yeah. Um, we're getting late into his, his doctorship now. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I think the episodes where he can't be bothered yeah. are now quite clear. Yeah. I mean, I think when he gets somebody good to play off against, like John Woodvine, or... Yeah. Um, you know the the guy who plays the captain in the pirate planet. Yeah. Then he's gung ho about it. Or if he, or if there's like a really good story Stones he gets teeth into, like Stones of Blood. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's great. He's but great. Then, so then our, our whole episodes, you feel like he's just. He just wants to go fishing. He, yeah, or he just he just kind of he wishes he was at the pub. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind. Of... And it, those episodes where you could see that happening, mm-hmm. just kind of, not more and more, but they kind of stand out a little bit more. Yeah, and I think it's even like more egregious when, when you sort of look at it back on as we are, so we, we already know all the history about Tom Baker's tenure as the Doctor, mm. and we know like how he could get and how he indeed would get, and when you're like starting out, it's just sort of like. Ooh. Yeah, you know what I mean, it's like this is where it, this is. You can like see where it begins. Yeah, it's starting to really creep in now. Mm-hmm. And if you're, if you, you know, if you've been watching this series and you then go on to the next series, it, I, I think it, it probably hits its nadir in the next series, mm-hmm. and, uh, and possibly even the series after that, especially his last series. Yeah. Yeah, his last one, he really has checked out. But, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's starting to creep in here. It gets worse the next season. And, um, yeah, I just think it was just... Not that it was just Tom being a pain in the ass mm-hmm. uh, some of the time, but I just think some of the, He's been doing it for so long that some of the episodes are just kind of not holding his interest. Yeah, and, unfortunately, and, that's, and that's fair. That's, that's fair. That's, that's fair enough. Yeah, but you shouldn't let that... 
end up on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you sort of just sort of need to sort of like swallow the, the pill. Put your game face on. Yeah, put your game face on. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Sigh. Yeah. But I mean, but like we say, he gets great bits. He gets great bits. And there are episodes in this which he is great in. I mean, like I say, Stones of Blood, mm-hmm. brilliant in Stones of Blood, I thought. There's a bit in this as well with the whole thing of the key to time being assembled. There's this whole thing of, you know, rolling his eyes back <laughs> in his head and all this sort of thing, you know, complete control of the universe. And you're like, whoa, hang on a minute. Yeah. But I think that the best part, that actually one of, the, I hate to say that, but this is one of the absolute highlights for the first Romana for me is when she absolutely clobbers him on the shoulder after he sort of like breaks that little sort of, a god am I sort of bit. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah, punches him right in the shoulder. I mean, again, you just want more stuff. I'm just like, give me more of this. This is what I want. Yeah. I mean, and the one thing that is uh, is a sort of incessant complaining in Doctor Who now, or Doctor Who fandom and stuff, is that the Doctor's entirely too touchy-feely. Hmm. But they do forget about things like this that happen. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just makes it all seem more real and that they're actually you know, a, a pair of people who've been knocking about together for a long time. Mm-hmm. So you're allowed a bit of that, and it's nice when it happens, actually. Yeah. But overall, sort of, I think it's fair to say, great idea, just... A tale of missed opportunities, mm-hmm. I think, to me. Yeah, I think that's entirely fair. But for a first try, mm-hmm. you oh, can't yeah. blame them too much. You say, no one is doing anything like this unless it was a soap opera, mm-hmm. and they gave it a, a, a real college try. Yeah. And um, I'm glad that, in a way, I mean, it put them off doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the next one is Trial of a Time Lord. <laughs> Even then, I mean, sort of, I tip my hat for them trying it trying it again. It's absolutely. Having the bravery to try it again. Trial of a Time Lord is a big whole other thing, but, yeah, to, to have sort of the courage of their convictions and and do it and see it through mm-hmm. is great. I mean, because it would have been easy just to forget about it and they never have any resolution. Yeah. So, you know, well done for giving it a go. It was a brave try. Um, it's got a lot of problems, but I'm glad they did it. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you have any thoughts about the Armageddon Factor and the key to time in general, you can send them to us at our regular email address, greatestshow at simplysyndicated.com, to our Twitter account at greatestshowpod, and our Facebook page, facebook.com slash greatestshowpodcast. Whilst you're listening to us, feel free to check out some of our sister shows on the Simply Syndicated network, such as Simply Syndicated Movie News, Atomic Trivia War 9000, Masters of None, Do Ask Do Tell, Back Channel 66, Here Goes Nothing, Take It or Leave It, Send the Chevron, Little Pot of Horrors, Queer Studies, Ray Guns and Go Go Boots, Nerd Hurdles, Making Sense with Richard Smith, The Greatest Events in Sporting History, and For Those About to Rock. Which I was going to do after. Speaking of the greatest events in sporting history, I just mm-hmm. did, a, um, did a, a, a guest appearance in there. Uh, wrap up of 2016 in sport um part three uh talking about the nfl so if you're a, a sports person and fancy hearing me jib jab about something other than doctor who go and check it out hmm. yes in- indeed do do check out um she does do other shows you know yeah occasionally <laughs> occasionally <laughs> occasionally occasionally yes um, Simply Syndicated, of course, is in need of your support, and the best way you can help us out is by subscribing to Simply Everything. For a monthly fee of just £6, you can enjoy a library of podcasts from the archives of Simply Syndicated, as well as ex- episodes of the exclusive to Simply Everything shows, Shaken Not Stirred, and the Remote Patrol spin-offs, Oh Boy and Trust No One. Um, we do also have a merchandise store available for both uh, Europe and America, uh, offering branded apparel and accessorise. 
Yeah, take advantage of our terrible, terrible work economy and buy some cheap shit. Yes. <laughs> you can support us through a monthly page on Patreon, or you can donate to the network through paypal.me, of which links to both are on the bottom of the website. So, with that being said, thank you very much, Emma. Thank you, Mike. And until next time, take care and bye-bye.